0: And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For Wall podcast. I am your host, Ewan Desencois. We'll be talking about your 2-1 Houston Texans all the way from the Great British Isles. Looking back on a landmark victory for Bill O'Brien and this team on Sunday against the LA Chargers. a look around the news and as well as a preview with Sunday's matchup against the Kakalaki Panthers. And thank you very much for joining us again on the Turn Up For What podcast. We had a number of questions about the name and the origins of it during the week and ultimately it was born out of the frustration of the many Sundays and the dark times where you go back through the years of the Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallet, Brock Osweiler spiral fumble at Mile High Stadium and the decline of Matt Schaub and many times this franchise since I've been watching it has looked rudderless without a franchise passer and I think this, it's safe to say now that those dark days are potentially behind us. The growth of Deshaun Watson and Sunday was another example of that. That it just, it continues to grow and inspire and lead this team forward. And hopefully, we'll all be there to witness the, the good days when they come around. And, and it'll certainly felt felt well earned after all the years of struggle. But if let's but let's crack on and let's talk some Texans football. What a victory it was by your Houston Texans on Sunday. A twenty-seven to twenty victory against the LA Chargers and the Phillip Rivers offense, which has looked so good in previous seasons, not quite got off to their start. But that was a good football team that we were able to come away with a victory from on Sunday. I think obviously helped by the the fact that there was, you know, a huge amount of traveling Texas in the ground and JJ, Watt touched upon that after the after the game that that was a real advantage and almost being like at home. Um, uh, in terms of in terms of getting the getting the crowd noise to affect their their checks at the line of scrimmage on some key third downs. I think we were all probably looking between fingers at the at the screen, trying to uh, trying to hope that this team finally held on and Deshaun had walked off the field and. And with the with the lead intact, and this team wasn't going to let them down again. But certainly after they converted two fourth downs, I wouldn't be alone in thinking that it was going to all repeat itself again. But look, this team held on. Uh Watson was 25 for for 34 on the day, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 351 yards through the air, bar that early mistake, which I think as a year three player for Watson's inexcusable. Just have to throw the ball out if the the play breaks down, just chuck it out the sidelines and. Um, it was we handed handed them an early advantage and and going down ten to zero at that point. I didn't really necessarily see a way back into it, but in the second half, Deshawn and the offense came roaring back into this tie, and it was a uh, great to see actually. Particularly what we touched upon in our game preview was the ne- the need to get the the tight ends involved, and and that was and that was really evident. uh with with Darren Fells having a good game, both tight ends catching some quick outs, really taking the pressure off. Deshaun in the line by, you know, getting the ball out on time and at pace. and So the last time that the Texans had two tight ends score a touchdown in a game stems all the way back to week two, of the 2013 season under Gary Kubiak, where Garrett Graham and Owen Daniels both scored a touchdown in the 30-24 to 24 overtime victory against Tennessee. So it really kind of shows you if we can get the, the tight ends involved in this passing attack, it gives us a whole new dimension, and you saw that with... Both tight ends escaping up the the seam, particularly on Jordan Aitkins' first one, his hand in the dirt looks looks as like he's gonna be a blocker on the line and just nips up the seam and, and, and takes a touchdown for Deshaun at a real crucial time and when the team needed to score. So look great to see that expansion of the offense and the and Deshaun trusting other guys, bar the wide receivers to, to make plays and and that that can only bode well as we as as we go through the season. This team has really lacked since the Oh, in Daniel's days, we had a brief spell of C.J. Fedorowitz, who unfortunately had to retire due to consecutive concussions. But we've really lacked playmakers at the, at the tight end position. And Aitkins' 53-yard touchdown, which turned out to be the game winner, was the longest reception by a Texans tight end since Joe Dreesen. Of week five of the 2011 season versus the Raiders so it just shows you there's been a big gap at that position in terms of explosive production so you know as as, as the season goes and Deshaun can continue to 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 go to these these guys particularly in the red zone and in key third downs and it's going to give us another option um in, in the passing attack and hopefully Jordan 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 Thomas can can, uh, can come back from IR at some point as well because he showed a lot of promise last season. So looks all positive for the tight ends and, and the, the athleticism we've got at that position. So when you get a road win like that, you can't complain and we'll certainly take that on to next week. And we've got now two home games coming up. So a great chance to take control and shape the schedule and our record and how you want it to read uh, before we face Kansas City. So the games against Carolina and Atlanta are going to be real tests for this team. I think that Atlanta will be similar to to uh, or require a similar game plan to this week. But certainly it was a good performance and we'll hope for more of the same at the offense on a more consistent basis. And if we can't if we don't put ourselves in a hole early and, and shoot ourselves in the foot like we did this week, then I think we've got every chance of, of taking two victories out the next two. I think again it was the, the, the defence showed up well I think in terms of their in terms of the Chargers line Mike Pouncey aside Sam Tevy's probably the next big name on that line and not necessarily household by any stretch of the imagination so the D had a good matchup on the, on the front seven to exploit and and they did so uh, with five sacks over the day. And J.J. Watt, Mr. Captain America himself, finally showed up this season with a good stat line. And, and it's not always about stat as a defensive end. I'll get that. But it was good to see him really impact the game. And that was a huge sack he put on Rivers just when they were trying to drive at the end. And Charles who chucked his teammates. Looks like he could be a real steal in the fifth round if he could continue to get that pressure up the middle. But if, he could, could, if, if Chuck can... Find a way to consistently use that leverage in the trenches, then he's going to be a real asset for this team. He looks of reminds me of a touch of what Jadavian Clowney looks like, just without that the necessarily the freak athleticism. But again, he could be he could be a good player for this team. And him and DJ Reader, the War Daddy himself, in the middle was just really kicking guys to the side, and, and his he, he's, he's pursuit of the quarterback, the text potentially of made a mistake by not upping him in you know, renewing his contract in the offseason. I know they tried to get it done, but the two sides couldn't come to an agreement. So the more tape this guy puts out and the way he played with a sack and a half this week from the interior, it's only going to push his value up and potential suitors will take up taking interest in in DJ who's been a one of the gems in our recent drafts as a is a is a fifth round pick. So it was a good outing for the front seven and the defensive line and and the, and the more and the more production we can get out of that unit it's certainly going to mask what is our undoubted Achilles heel in the secondary um and I think it's something to watch I think as, as the season goes on because the tape was out there uh, last week and it was it was the worst that that, that that unit has played I think and there' was a lot of soft coverage and a lot of kind of comments about that online and you know, look at the at the stage of Joe's career who you know caveat is probably the number one free agent signing of this franchise but at this stage of his career he has to play off and use his savvy veteran nose to to dissect plays and be able to and be able to to break when he sees fit but the, what it certainly looked like on sunday was that he's just lost that half step more than he has done in previous seasons, and he just tried to break on the ball for their first touchdown. He was just a hair late again, playing soft coverage, and then Rivers just went after him down on down, and they needed to go for, you know, a, a a third down conversion, or they needed a they needed to try and get the, the drive back on track. They went after Joseph. So the tapes out there now. So I, I I don't know where where this leaves uh Jonathan Joseph at this stage of his career. I mean, I've got a huge amount of time for the guy. He's a consummate pro, and he's. He's he's been, as I said, a fantastic addition to this franchise and really changed the mentality of this defense when they when they brought him and Daniel Manning in in that free agent acquisition in in twenty eleven. So it was it's it's a shame to see the decline of him and hopefully you know with they can be ways to mask that within the system or it might be a case of that Bradley Roby kicks outside again and we have to to rely on the uh, Crossan Cross who we traded for from New England right before the season started with the sixth round pick and. Uh, potentially Philip Gaines who was signed um, after we cut Aaron Coven after week one that they come inside and and, and, and cover that and, and some uh, some extra DB looks on the field I don't know but it was it was something to watch and, uh, as we go because that is the, the weak point of this team and look like, we lost A G Boye we didn't renew him Kevin Johnson's first round draft pick didn't necessarily pan out with injuries the talent was there but he was a light frame guy and it's left this team short in that position it's hard to address within the off season because there's not many good players hitting the market at that position and if they do, you've got to well overpay for for their services and then in the draft, in the next coming draft, we've not got a first round pick to invest at that spot. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the the, the front office or the committee address that but it's definitely, you know, something that could hold this team back and it's definitely something to watch. I mean, if you look at Lonnie Johnson though, who they did invest a, a, a second round pick in this year, I think, I think he flashed again. He had some good plays. Had some ones he probably won't back. And in terms of uh, covering Keenan and Allen in the slot, but look, he had a terrible day pass interference call on him which again i love to see and we talked about it last week was on breaking on the ball going to attack at the, the catch point and and being aggressive and physical as a db now look the, the rules are different from college he can't touch the receiver after the five yard window so he's going to have to learn to hone that aggressiveness but look i like i like what he what we've seen from lonnie so far and i think the guy's got potential to be a good player in this team but we're going to have to add players around him as well as if we can continue Bradley Roby's uh, it's definitely early season form. I think Justin Reed looks banged up. I think he's going to have to take some time off to, to get right because he's he's two weeks in the trot. He's been carted to the sideline or attended by the trainers uh, on, on numerous occasions. So I think he's he's, he's, he's playing hurt at the minute and it's, it's not helping him and it's not really helping the team. So I know certainly next season coming up against his brother, I don't think it'll be uh easy to, to talk him out to taking a rest week in the bye weeks, some weeks away yet. So again, something to something to monitor, I think, for the secondary and potentially, um potentially something to watch because he's definitely not right and it's a long season for a player who we you know, who is central to the to, to the secondary in this team. So it was uh look, it was a good outing overall, I think, in terms of the, the teams, special teams were Special teams were solid. Brian Anger came in after cutting Trevor Daniel, the guy who the Texans moved on from Hall of Fame punter Shane Leckler um, to, to take the younger guy. Not not the consistency that Brad Seely and the special teams coaching staff required. So um out he went and Anger came in. He did a solid job. I think the offense uh, and defense were, you know, were up and down over the game, but special teams seemed relatively static. So that was good. Certainly didn't really cost us any. Uh, cost us any um any points in this game, so that was good. So look, overall, I don't think we've 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 won enough games against big quarterbacks and particularly on the road or a pseudo road game as it was. But look, a great outing for this team, and and we're you know we're we're on to next week as as, as we take you know two games at home at NRG in front of our fans to try and really shape the schedule um as best we can. So onwards and upwards. Let's take a look around the league at this week's news. Thursday night saw the Jacksonville Jaguars push aside a weak performance from the Tennessee Titans, which was interesting to see actually because if you look at the Tennessee and how they started the season against the Cleveland, you certainly thought they would have been a contender in the AFC South, but certainly didn't show it the other night. Gardner Minshew and Co. managed to come out with a victory at home, which was a much-needed victory to get the Jags' season started. And if you look at the Jags' upcoming schedule, they've got Denver, Carolina, New Orleans cincinnati bengals and the jets before they play the texans in london and so it, look that's a, a stretch of games that you know any team probably in the league would fancy taking three or four victories from so the jags have got a real chance to put a, a drive in this uh in this race for the afc south so we'll see how that goes but interesting i think really we'd want to be playing the tennessee titans in their current form but don't play them until week 15 and week 16 of the season so plenty of time for the Mike Vrabel and co over there in Nashville to get it right but certainly the dynamics of this league continue to change on a week by week basis that will potentially be Jalen Ramsey's last game in Deval it looks like the Houston Texans have really had their number by the Jags over over the last few seasons particularly with Deshaun he's got his lowest uh, passer percentage against the Jags defence and a big part of that is Jalen Ramsey so if if the Jags and Shad can the the owner can give him potentially the you know the largest most richest cornerback contract in history which was certainly touted out there in the media potentially salvages the situation I don't know perhaps his mind's made up may that may that be the last game we see of, of, of Jalen Ramsey in in the teal of uh, Jacksonville well, time will tell but certainly as is if he continues to hold out uh, practices he has this week with a supposed illness then would trend to have not playing against Denver on Sunday, so definitely one to watch. The Colts largely by allowing the, the Atlanta Falcons to have the least offensive possessions since 2000, Uh were, we're able to 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 get past the uh, get past the Falcons at, at home on Sunday. Despite Austin Hooper and Julio Jones combining for three touchdowns, the Atlanta the offense wasn't enough to to, to sustain the challenge from from Jacoby Brissett and the Colts, so look, the Colts look to be kind of piecing together, that is a good roster they've got, we all know that, Jacoby Brissett has given been given a two year, 30 million dollar contract, to be the number one franchise guy, he's certainly repaying him thus far, so we'll wait and see, Malik Hooker is out, it looks like he's torn his meniscus, Saw so blow for the Colts at safety, a hugely talented prospect, been injured for much of his, now his third year in the NFL, but certainly, a loss for the Colts, and then a an even bigger loss for the Texans. Week five opponents was Keanu Neal, the safety for the second season in a row. Looks like he potentially could miss the rest of the season. So a big blow for them in the second in the secondary there, um in Georgia. Um, despite losing their quarterbacks, both the Saints seem to pull out a win, um against Seattle in Seattle, which is a tough place to go. Alvin Kamara co- combined for hundred and fifty nine total yards, which which saw them see past the. See past the Seahawks um, in a in a, in a closely fought game. Daniel Jones comes in and makes his first start for, for the New York Giants, two touchdowns in the air and two rushing touchdowns as well, um, combined to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. who oddly enough took a delay of game on a, on a potentially field winning, a field goal winning uh, kick, which uh, which seemed to then push them back five yards uh, and then their kicker then subsequently missed the kick. So a, a tough loss for them, a game that probably could have gone either way against two teams who are trying to find their way this season. Despite the, the positivity around New York and Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley looks like he could be out for four to six weeks now, picking up an injury in that game. So a tough blow again there for for the Giants. A good look at the two of the Texans' upcoming opponents in the, in a, the early one of the early kickoffs, a shootout between the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a good, high-powered offense shootout, which could have gone either way. At the end, Kansas City just having a bit too much for... Too much for the Ravens as Lamar Jackson and that team try to find identity in a groove early in the season. Um them at KC, the Patriots, as well as Dallas, the Packers, and the 49ers, um, along with the surprise Buffalo Bills, all remain the, the undefeated in the NFL, with all sitting at, at 3-0. And the Freddie Kitchens was uh was was uh and his and Freddie Kitchens and his Browns team certainly appear to have lost all the off-season hype as they lost to to the Rams on on Sunday night football Uh, Baker's only thrown two touchdowns through three games so a point of concern it's a really tough start to life for a first year head coach with a team of big personalities so we'll see how that how that one pans out for the the team but certainly some early contenders and potentially some some fugazes in there in terms of the the early runnings of the league and now let's take a look at the week four matchup And joining us for the week four preview against the Carolina Panthers, we are honoured to have the first guest on the Turn Up For What podcast. We have Den from RiotReport.com and the Not What You Think podcast. Den, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, man. Thanks for thanks for having me here.
0: No, thank you for joining us, the inaugural guest on the podcast. So let's get into it. So talk to me, Carolina Panthers, where do you think this this team's going this year?
1: Yeah, it's... Uh been a roller coaster just in the last three weeks here i mean um going into the season we had pretty high hopes um the rams game you know you you battle a a tough rams team and you you shoot yourself in the foot and only lose by three was at least promising um and then that thursday night game kind of sent everything off the rails with uh, not only the performance on the field but the availability of uh qb1 here and uh and then just a few days ago, Kyle Allen brings brings us all back in a little bit. So we're kind of honestly still trying to figure this team out right now. I think um, I think hopes are high, but I also think that we need to see um, a few more of, of what this team actually is, because we're kind of all over the board right now.
0: Yeah, so it's been in the media today, certainly reported that it's a Liz Frank injury for Cam, which we, we know all too well when uh, Matt Schaub went out for the rest of the season with with a similar injury, it's a hard one to come back from. So, any any more news on that?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, I mean, Ron Rivera laid it out there, saying there's no timetable to the return. So, um, you know, what looked like a uh, just a minor ankle sprain in that preseason game, week three. I don't know how much that has to do with this at all. Um, but you know, whenever that happened in the Bucks game, I mean, he still played that whole game. So there is a little bit of confusion as to what's really going on with Cam Newton, um, whether it is all the foot um, that, you know, the West Frank injury just kind of came out just, I think it was, was it two days ago or, or was it Monday? E- either way, um, you know, really, we don't know when Cam will be back or I dare I say it, if he will be back uh, in a Panthers uniform because this is a big year for him with the dead cap money. So yeah. Um, we're just kinda of riding it out here to be honest. I wish I had more answers, but uh everything's just kind of come out at once and uh we're looking on to the Texans with, with Kyle Allen here.
0: Yeah, I think the whole world saw Newton um, you know, walking around the facility in hard knocks with a with a la- the large ice pack on his shoulder and I think there's gotta be concerns there because when the body starts to go then it's it's tough to it's tough to get back in and uh and back to your best and it's a shame because He's been a great, great competitor in this league, and it's uh, a shame to see somebody, to somebody like that, to go down. But Kyle Allen's a, a guy I've been aware of just through playing for various uh, Texas Texas universities. He obviously was at A and I kind of fell out of favor there, replaced by Kyler Murray of uh, no less, uh, and then and then transferred to the University of Houston. Uh, the Cougars played played a few games there, but didn't have the most illustrious career, despite being a sort of five star recruit. So. Of the two games that you've seen him play, what do you, what's your thoughts on this guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole quarterback situation period here in Carolina has been really, really a big topic since April, because, or even actually before that, since last year, of course, with Cam playing arguably almost every one of those, uh, you know, seven-game skids injured. Um, you know, was the whole talk about getting a backup quarterback and Kyle Allen was always just kind of that guy to us while cam was, you know, while he was on the team, but not playing was just, we, we never really considered him the guy, you know, it, we've always kind of been a fan base of, you know, if cam goes down, we're screwed, we're not going to Eagles, Nick Foles, this thing, um, with one of our backups. And, and, you know, that led into the draft with Will Greer. And that was a big pick. They trade up at 100 to get Will Greer. And, um, and, you know, he ends up not even being able to beat Kyle Allen for the second spot. So I think that when we saw Kyle last season, it was week 17 against the Saints, who basically Sean Payton said, I have nothing to gain here and I can hurt the Panthers draft pick by basically letting them win this game. And I I was actually at that game and it was sad football. I mean, it was almost at the point where I'm like, are one of these teams going to punt like before third down? (laughs) Like... No one is trying to like really win this game. And I think that a lot of people thought that that, that chalked Kyle Allen's performance up to that. And in, to be honest, Kyle didn't really have a, a great preseason. So to see what he did on Sunday was really a big shock to this fan base. And I, I am so impressed with, with a lot of the throws he made in that game. You can say it was the Cardinals. Cardinals passing defense statistically isn't, isn't that bad. Um, so we're kind of caught off guard here. I, we kind of went into this with, you know, the same kind of feeling we did last year with if, you know, if we don't have Cam, we're screwed. And, and now, I mean, there are people saying that this offense is better now with Kyle Allen. So it's been a roller coaster just following him alone, I mean, or let alone the whole depth chart.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I was impressed with him. I think when, I mean, he does have a habit of having streaks of interceptions, um, in his college game. He's not shown that in his tape through the first, so the, through the two starts that he's had, but he's he's a relatively accurate passer with a strong arm, and I was particularly impressed with the uh, with the the third and five uh, play where he's hit Curtis Samuel in the end zone. He faced a blitz, he stepped up in mm. the pocket, released the ball on time, and that was quite a mature, savvy play from a guy in only his second start. So I think this, you know, and we've seen. Uh, Gardner Minshew, etc., come into the league and, and be written these guys that have come from pr- traditionally air raid systems and have a level of success early. So um, I, I, I think he's definitely something to be concerned about because for me, the the, the the blatant Achilles heel of the Texans going into Sunday is the secondary. And, and Philip Rivers uh, chopped us up a bit at the weekend, and we were only lucky for the heroics of Deshaun to keep us in that game um, and it's it's got to be a concern I think so it's definitely one one thing I am concerned about and it comes on to the draft picks is obviously Brian Burns was added in the first round uh, from Florida and he's also uh, joining a, a stellar cast really of, of that front seven with the, obviously they added McCoy they've got come on short Addison um, and as well uh, the, the guy from Alabama uh, Christian Miller had a good game at the weekend also
1: yeah, man, eight sacks is uh is really something that we've been uh, we've been waiting for, you know, all spring here. Um, you know, it's funny we kind of after that Bucks game, it was such a a poor performance by just not so much certain players, but just the whole team and the game plan. I don't know if if you chalk that up to week two on a short week. I know I know you guys had an interesting game with the Jaguars, just just a very uncharacteristic game, and um and I think that's what happened here in Carolina too and. It's funny, just last week we were we were going on and saying how this team, you know, used to be such a team that got to the quarterback along with other strengths that they've kind of gone away from, and and it's funny that a, a team that used to be so good against the run um, <laughs> is now actually lacking against the run, and pass rushing is back again here in Carolina. It uh, took a few years to kind of come back around again, you know, after that 2015 year, so I mean these guys are screaming off the edge and uh and I love it. But one thing I've been noticing is it's kind of taking away our, our, our run stopping ability too. So while I love getting to the quarterback, I, I, I do I do hope that they can find a way in this new three four to still be a run stuffing defense because um, you know, you still gotta do that in this league, of course.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I had that as one of my keys to the game and I was gonna bring it up probably segues as nicely into that, I think, for the first three games. You guys have given up over hundred or over hundred yards, and and certainly the addition of Carlos Hyde has kind of come out of nowhere, really, and he's he's been running the ball hard for us. We didn't uh, necessarily run it that well in, in in LA at the weekend, but it's but certainly in the first two weeks, um, it's been a real strength of this team. So do you think that's something that that uh, is a weak point uh, for the Carolina D that the Texans can attack?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's so ironic. And right now the Panthers sit at twenty fourth in the league in rushing defense and. I mean, I don't have exact numbers, but it's been a a number of years since they haven't been in the even in the top 15 in that in that stat. So I know it's only three games. Um, We sat here week one talking to some Rams guys. And, uh, you know, I said when I talked to them, I said the Achilles heel of our defense for the last four four or five years has been the big pass plays. Just, you know, quarterback having a ton of time to throw it and, um, you know, someone just being wide open deep. And uh, I said, I don't I don't worry about the big name rushers like Zeke Gurley. You know, in the last four or five, six years, Panthers have been really good about bottling those guys up. And then <laughs> in the last few weeks, I'm kind of eating my words here. We, we have one of the best pass defenses in the league. Number two, actually, behind the Patriots and uh, run defense is, is down the bottom. So I, I don't know if that's I don't know how much you chalk that up to. You know them switching their defense to a three four versus just the type of players they have now. I mean, Brian Burns is that tall, lanky guy that's flying off the edge, but he's not going to stuff a guy up the middle. You know, I know you have McCoy and Poe, but those guys are kind of kind of dropping off from the guys they used to be. So um I do worry uh, about about the Texans running this ball, and especially um, last week, this team was actually a really good or last um you know, in the last few years, this team was really good at containing mobile quarterbacks. And in the first, I mean, they did contain him, obviously, with the sacks in the the second half. But for a while, Kyler Murray was just picking up whatever he wanted on the ground whenever he wanted it. And it does concern me that in addition to, you know, the running backs, I I consider uh, Watson in that in that rushing game as well. And uh, I hope that (laughs) I hope they do a little better job of him this week than we saw early on last week.
0: Yeah, I think so. It would be, I think it's going to come down to ultimately the our line or our improved line now with Laramie Tunsil, who is just an absolute man mountain, and we've not had uh, a left tackle like that since we traded away the Wayne Brown. Can we talk about
1: Can we talk about Macauley now?
0: <laughs> well, it was it was said in all the off season that he was going to be the starter, and I don't think anybody believed that you know he ever was going to be. I think he's kind of got to a point in his career where. I think he's done. I think he he actually had quite a good start to training camp from all reports, but then I think just as the grind got got on top of him, he just faded and he uh, he, he played in the in the in the preseason game at Green Bay, uh, and he was getting walked back like he was on roller skates. I just don't think he's got it physically anymore. So it's a shame because he was a, he was a big you know high draft pick and uh, made the Pro Bowl you know early on in his career, but just seemed to fade away and. Uh, it's a shame to see guys like that, but yeah, look, I think our line last week was the best performance I've seen as it put in for a number of years and actually gave Deshaun time to throw. And I think when deshaun has got time to throw, good things happen. And and interesting you say about the the the, the second rank pass defense because the strength of our offense is well up till the up till last week was the was the wide receivers and then another strength looks like the tight ends just with the athleticism we got at the position. So I think Donta Jackson and and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be. Uh, a good a good matchup for anyone to watch
1: yeah i mean i mean I, I have uh i have hopkins in fantasy so if if we can uh blow the top off i'll I'll let him get some uh some garbage points but uh but but you know dante well one thing about dante jackson he kind of got um he kind of got exposed in that all or nothing series where especially when he covered antonio brown um who i still think it was a pretty bad push off, but one thing that didn't really get talked about is is Jackson's done pretty well against big name receivers. He he's let up big, big plays here and there just in his rookie year, kind of being a gambler. I think he's learned a lot in that, in that span, uh, just since though, especially since that Pittsburgh game. Um, one thing he does still do is, is the kind of the bait with quarterbacks. He kind of, kind of underplays it and tries to catch up with the speed. I think you saw that on that pick where he jumped like 10 feet last week, but, uh, you know that does worry me. you don't want to be doing that stuff against Hopkins. But you know now that we have um, one thing one thing the Panthers have this year that they didn't have last year is two good safeties. I mean, we had Mike Adams, but an, an aging Mike Adams, but and you had Eric Reed without a full season. Now you have Trey Boston and Eric Reed behind Jackson and Bradbury. And I think that makes a big difference um, and, and it allows Dante Jackson to kind of gamble a little more than he maybe wanted to when you had Mike Adams helping him out. So um, that's obviously a big one you circle. Like you said, I think Hyde and even even Fuller and, and uh, Stills. I mean, you, you can't let those guys go. So I think the Texans are are a tough team to uh, to really you know just take one guy out of the game. I mean, they, they have a full crew that can beat you, even even the tight ends. Uh, I saw them last week. I think a couple touchdowns to the tight ends, right?
0: Yeah, I, that, I, was, I said at the start of the podcast that was our – First, uh, two two tight ends or two separate tight ends getting a touchdown yeah. uh, for for the well since before the O'Brien era, so it was a it was a real positive because it just gives us a, a another uh, element. I think the I think what can't be underestimated is actually the Kenny Still's uh, inclusion in the Tunsil trade because considering the length of time he's been in this offense, he's really lit it up with some big plays. There was a flea flicker that um, that Watson caught him in behind. It was one of the first the sort of only kind of good plays we had in the first half. Uh, but even on the on the fifty three uh, yarder from Jordan Aikens, uh, Kenny Stills is right down there uh, blocking the blocking the the DB to to let uh, Aikens go in the end zone and touch. So he's been a real big addition. Obviously, his crowning play was the uh, last last minute touchdown against New Orleans, which we thought was a victory and uh, it was snatched away from us. So, <laughs> so that was gone. so sad, man. Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: obviously, obviously, we were all rooting for you here in in Carolina.
0: Exactly. Uh, uh,
1: that drive was. Not, not to get on that too much, but that drive by the Texans to score was—it's such a shame that that's a, not a game-winning thing. Uh, that was that was pretty remarkable how, to, how they scored in two plays, and, and it, that is those are the kinds of things that worry me. Last year we saw we saw teams doing that, scoring in two plays, you know, gaining all, almost all the field in one play, and like that stuff has slowed down now. So I, that it does, these receivers. They can certainly do that and that uh, that that does worry me
0: yeah I, I think as well it's um the the speed with fuller and Kenny stills which I probably didn't appreciate actually how much of a burner stills is um them stretching the field allows the tight ends and Hopkins underneath to to, to pick up uh, to pick up money in the slot because people have got as you said got to bring in extra DBs to to try and, to try and acknowledge that and 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 uh, and make sure they don't get kept caught in behind because it's definitely definitely a, a threat. I think you touched on uh, Reid. This will be the first time him and his brother play play against one another. Yes. Um, yes. Very our cool. our Reid's a bit banged up at the minute. He was in a car crash at the start of the season. Now nobody's actually come out and said that was the direct issue of his shoulder injury, but ever since that moment he's been in and out. He was out, missed a lot of time in training camp. He's not looked. Uh, himself, but I mean, considering we got him in the third round, round that was an absolute steal. I think, and I, I you hate to say it, but I think a lot of it was down to his brother's uh social outlook. I think, shall we say, um, in terms of in terms of some of the stands, but just as Kenny stills is and we've supported him, um, you know, doing what they do, and he's doing a lot of good work in the community, and also uh, Ian Thomas and Jordan Thomas, who's on IR for us at the minute, but hopefully I'll be back. Um, I believe they're cousins as well so it's a bit of a family affair uh, or something, oh, wow. something like, something, I didn't something even like, know that <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I believe so So flipping round to the other side of the ball, we were five sacks last week I think against the Chargers line which was um, a good improvement DJ Reader continues to be a sort of underrated nose guard in the league, he got a sack and a half, everybody's kind of talked about Whitney Merciless, he was the AFC player of the week in week two um, as he continues to really kind of to show that he's back in his true his true uh, position now that the, the clowny um, is, is is no longer with us. Um, so how do you think the the O line uh, is is going is going to hold up against JJ uh, Reader and, and and merciless and as well? Why why are they rotating Darrell Williams at tackle in and out?
1: I don't know. So the the explanation for that I mean Darrell Williams has just not looked good. Uh, of course, Greg Little in the second round was. Um, some of the talk over the summer was maybe we maybe we uh, were a little unfair to him, expecting a second-round tackle, uh, you know, tackle just to start playing and obviously and be better than anyone that that's on the team, you know. Um, but obviously, the concussion in that Week Three preseason game had ca- kept him out two games. So, um, as far as the coaching staff, their explanation to the rotation was to get little in the game without just throwing the full game on him. He has to kind of work back from a concussion, and this is really his first NFL live experience so they didn't want to overwhelm him that was the uh that was the explanation from the coach um obviously looked better than williams so i'm i'm wondering what i'm hearing is they might try to transition williams into more of a guard and and you still and still use him and then put little over at tackles so um right now greg van roten is actually the guard there but um which is funny because on paper that was the ideal offensive line. So I still think that is the plan. And to answer your question about the rotation, I think it was just to kind of get him in without him playing the whole game. Um, You don't want a a young guy that's never played a game before coming in right off a concussion and just expected to, to play a whole game. So I I guess I understand that I've, I've never, I've never played football, especially offensive line before. So maybe that is kind of um, on par with how you're supposed to treat that. But you know, the, the offensive line has been, and I'm sure you guys know, I watch Texans games and feel bad for Watson and uh, has been our, our tough spot. And when you start looking at, you know, obviously your line, J.J. Watt, Merciless is a big one. Um, it, it, that does worry you. That That's how the Panthers essentially lose games. It's just Cam just getting drilled over and over again and, and on big downs. So um, with Kyle Allen, though, I, I think this offense is very different. I mean, I've been thinking this week that, you know, for as long as we've been Panthers fans, obviously everyone loves Cam Newton, but this team needed a Superman, quote, quote, just because of the offensive of names that were out there in no line and whatever. They needed that Cam Newton, dual threat, winning the game on his own, jumping over the pile, you know, whatever. Now, you have so many names on this roster that you just need to get the ball to them. And I think that they've kind of had a tough time transitioning Cam out of, you don't need to do this by yourself anymore. <laughs> so when I see Kyle Allen taking two-step drop and throwing, that to me at least makes me feel a little better about the line. It's not so much Cam you know, running the Cam and McCaffrey show, as I call it. I mean, we saw four different guys catch touchdowns last week. Greg Olson's back leading the team and receiving, which – Believe it or not, we had—I mean, in, at least in that game, which we haven't seen in a while. So, in a way, I feel better about our offensive line with the way Kyle Allen looked last week than I would with Cam there. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, I get you. I think I think certainly the, from from the tape of the the three games that I've watched anyway, the the change that I noticed was McCaffrey. I'll, I'll see a lot of the ball, and I don't think there's any way you can you can. Uh, you can completely take him out of the game it's just about limiting uh the, the, his presence i think we have been a good a, a good line against against the run uh, but certainly mccaffrey's always liable to break one and he just he seems to have got better as 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 he's as he's matured and developed in the league and, he did, and i think the threat with him is he's always he's always a threat in the passing game
1: yeah and and i think that when you when, when I went on my little rant after the Bucks game, I said, you know, watching this game, it feels like there's one read on a play, and if they're not open, it's Christian McCaffrey. And that, that offense got very predictable at the end of last season and in, in the first two games of this season. And, you know, it, to me, it, it's when Christian McCaffrey leads the team in receiving every week, like, that's not good. Like, it's awesome that he, he is that good. But it kind of showed how, how predictable the Panthers are. They're not spreading the ball around. People aren't, people aren't caring about you know names we have out there like Darius Wright. Chris Hogan caught his second pass of the year. I mean, those guys are out there. But no one's, you know, no one's respecting them at all. They're just covering McCaffrey. So I think if you can start finding a way to spread the ball to those people and not need McCaffrey every single play – him not being on the top of the reception chart every week to me is, is not a bad thing. And I think that when you saw what the offense can do last week, the Panthers can be a very unpredictable team when you have just Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore alone should make this team unpredictable. But for the like I said, they, they've, they essentially lost almost 10 games in a row until that win on Sunday. And this was the first time on Sunday I saw a Panthers offense I actually liked. I don't know how much, how much to buy into that, but what it was is it was not all Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, I think the the threat of McCaffrey looms. I think and the teams have to have to you know bring an extra man to the box to try and to try and uh, stop stop his his running ability. And then um, Allen was seven out of ten on play action passes um, at the weekend there, so that's a, a more of a wrinkle that uh, is probably more respected now with with Cam being out. But I think. But the, the previous games would show that Cam was really struggling to, to push the ball down in the field and actually it looks like Allen's capable of doing that. So potentially there is there is a bit more of a, a balanced offense in, uh, in 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 the make in the making here. I think the Texans traditionally, um, up to this season and the reason why we signed Tishon Gibson at uh, at safety was to is for his tight end covering ability. So to hear that uh, Greg Olson's looking back to his best I think is a concern because what I've found over the years is the players that you or as you would expect to do well uh, by tradition, often do well against us, and particularly Travis Kelsey etc. Gronk, we've had a, a tough a tough time against those guys. So if you know if the play action game's running and Greg Olson's um, running off the line uh, with his hand in the dirt and then getting open quite quickly, then I think it's potential to to be a to be a big threat in this game. So it's uh, it's certainly going to be a, a tough one. Um, I think I think for us after that winning last week, I think. Of all the games that we've, we've we've played, there's been many that we've like we talked about the Saints that we've that we've we've taken the lead late and not and not uh, and not saw the game out. So I think that was the first time it was a maturity I saw about this team under Watson and O'Brien that actually when there was games that you should win, we did win. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think it all comes down to really the the. the uh, our handling of your front seven on our line and how quickly we get the ball out because as you said that it's it's a strong pass rush so if we can get the tight ends involved in a quick passing game then i think certainly it's uh, that that bodes well because it takes the pressure off the takes the pressure off the line and uh and the if if the if the ball comes out quickly so look, looking forward to the uh to 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 the matchup have you got any predictions for us then
1: i don't know i mean i don't it's so hard to to know what we are, you know, I, so many people are, are undervaluing the, uh, the, uh, you know, the Cardinals performance saying, you know, I, I, I need to see him do it against Houston. And, and I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat as well, but, um, you no, know, it's a tough one on, on the road. I think spirits are high right now. I, like you said, I think this, these teams are, are pretty good in the same areas, I believe. Um, so it's like you said, it's, 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 you know, when the Panthers have the ball, I'm worried about the D line here. When you're when, when the Texans have the ball, you know, we got we got Brian Burns and all them coming with eight sacks again and the best pass rush defense. So our second second pass defense. So um I think like you said, it, it's gonna take a lot of a lot of other names and in, in, in quick plays and and um and maybe some dinkin dunking and down the field and, and and really making drives out of these versus this being a big play game. Um and uh, i think it's going to be a close one i i i i, I don't know I, I feel like this is i feel like this is a a seven or or three point game where the the, uh, Houston, the texans edge it out at the end so i don't know 27 24 24 21 i think it'd be right around there i don't think it's going to be a uh, i don't think it's going to be a defensive stand but i don't think it's going to be a uh, a huge scoring game either um, I think both of these teams are capable of scoring even on good defenses. So um, I'll, I'll give you my humble opinion and uh, would love to win this one. And I still think they, they're very capable of winning. But I feel like this one might come down to a game-winning field goal. And I'll I'll be honest and I'll just say, I think the Texans pull it out.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, glad to hear it. We'll hopefully, hopefully see. I think the the – the ability to, to to win close games, I think, has been been part of the O'Brien era. And when the 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 overall sort of point scoring until the last couple of seasons have not been good. Um, I was in Carolina in twenty fifteen where we had uh, Ryan Mallett starting, um, and that was the season you guys went to the Super Bowl and it, and watching that and watching that early season game, I would not have said either team were particularly good. And then you know you, you get some momentum down the stretch and and you go away at the Super Bowl and only just to be. Uh, just to be just to be beaten out by the last the last hurrah of uh, of Peyton Manning and the former Texans head coach Gary Kubiak, so it was a yeah. it's a bittersweet for us all, I think. But it was uh, I really enjoyed Charlotte, though I would I would encourage if when the next when the next game comes round in four years' time, if any anybody's thinking about going out to Charlotte, it's a great great city to visit. So really enjoyed it, and it was uh, it was a good place. I noticed then on your uh, Twitter you you prof- had a professed love for craft beer, so what is, if any of our listeners are going to, uh, Charlotte, what is the, or, or anywhere in Carolina, what is the best brewery in, uh, Charlotte or Carolina to go visit?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually from Boston, but, but I do go, I do go to Charlotte a lot and I I can definitely answer that question. Uh, the Noda brewery is a, is, is very kind to us and, uh, and, in one of our favorites down there. So it's in North Davidson and, uh, they call it Noda. So, um, Check them out. They get a they got they got a pretty big sp- spread of all types of beers. So it's not a, you know, you're not pigeonholed into uh, IPAs or anything. It's a uh, they they do it all pretty well, and uh, I love I can't get that can't get it up here. So I love uh, I always love uh, going down there when I can. And they also um, we also have our own beer as far as the riot goes. The riot report, they make the uh, Roaring Riot Pale Ale. So it's pretty uh pretty cool little connection we have with them as well.
0: Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, well, be sure to next, hopefully we make it out there in a couple of years time. We'll be sure to check it out. So uh, thanks very much for joining us. Then uh, that was then from the Riot report and uh, of the not, not what you think podcast. Uh, so then can you tell the listeners where you can find us before we close this one out?
1: Yeah, definitely. We, uh, we're over on iTunes and, uh, Google play Spotify, all that. Not what you think part of the riot network. Um, uh, my Twitter's at keep pound Dan also same thing on Instagram and, uh, and yeah, the theriotreport.com is where uh, where all of our stuff is. So, what we do.
0: Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Dan. And uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely exchange some messages after the after the final result Sunday.
1: Thanks for having me, man. And actually, you guys play in London this year too, right? Because we we also do as well.
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, you're at the you're at the new stadium. Uh, in yes, Tottenham. So uh, good facility. Um, state of the art. I think it's got. I think it has the, or it claims to have, the biggest bar of any sports ground in Europe. So the full length of the uh, behind behind the uh, behind the end zone. So uh, it'll be oh. interesting. Purpose built as well. So it'll be good to see. Yeah, and then the Texans play um, in uh, Wembley. So I mean, uh, I mean, obviously on a personal level, it's great to see your team in your your home country. But obviously from a footballing point of view, and for the players, it's a it's a bit of an arduous task. I think to you know jump through time zones and get ready for a for a battle on a Sunday so uh, it kind of works both ways I, I don't think it's necessarily great for the for the for the players and their health and but you know it's it's uh it's a fan-led league and it's a it's a it's a multi-billion dollar business so that's the way they're the, the guys at the totally. top are expanding it
1: yeah I'm, I'm pumped to go over there and we, and we get a divisional game over there too against the Bucks so I'm, uh, I'm not really thrilled how they did that but uh everything else yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited to come check out your uh, your neck of the woods
0: yeah excellent we'll have a good time if you need anything uh let us know but thanks very much then and uh we'll speak hopefully speak to you again soon thanks
1: thanks for having me guys
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We're really flattered by the numbers that we saw last week. Please keep sharing the link on Twitter or Facebook. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Next week, we'll be looking back at the outcome of the Carolina game and we'll be previewing our official podcast trip to NRG Stadium where we'll be sharing the game day experience with our best tailgaters and Texans friends as well as our road trip to Kansas City. Until next time, signing off and let's go Texans.